Hello and welcome to Out and About Imolovians. I'm your host, Jeremy Balfour. As part of my job as Member of Scottish Parliament, I get to travel around Malovians, meeting interesting people and hearing about how the companies, charities and projects that they work for benefit and contribute to our community. On this podcast, I will share their stories. On today's episode, I'm looking forward to talking to Paul Wilson from Volunteer Edinburgh. Well, Paul, I'm sitting in your lovely office here in uh, Volunteer Edinburgh. But what is it? It's a good question. No, it kind of pretty much is what the name suggests. It's about volunteering and it's about Edinburgh. So we're the Volunteer Centre for Edinburgh. We've actually been around in one form or another since the early 1970s. Uh, but a, lot, a couple of name changes um, along the way. But for the past, since 2015, we've been in this location in Leith Walk. As our main office, we have a couple of projects which are uh, outside of this office and different parts of the city, which we can talk about. Um, but at our core, uh, we are the place where people in Edinburgh can come to find out about volunteering, if they want to do volunteering. And we always say we've got an equal commitment to the people who want to volunteer as we do to the organisations who use those volunteers. So that's that's it in a nutshell. So who, who can I volunteer for? Is it just serving coffee to people? You know, what does volunteering actually mean in 21st century Scotland? That, I think for a lot of people, you know, there's an awful lot of people who would say volunteering. Well, isn't that what people do in charity shops? Yes, that is what people do in charity shops. But uh, I think it's actually really difficult. If you live in the city uh, or in the surrounding counties, it is very difficult to go about your daily life without interacting with either someone who is a volunteer or a service which is supported by volunteers. So volunteering, it really does weave, it, weave, it, weave its way through our society completely and quite often unseen. So yes, you know, the obvious things that we've all seen, like, you know, you, you might know someone who's doing a fundraising thing. That's a form of volunteering. You know, they're running a 10K to end or doing a kill walk, something like that. That's a form of, of volunteering. The, the, the volunteering that we deal with primarily is the more formal end of the scale. So that's, you know, for charities and for statutory bodies as well. People are often quite surprised to find out how much volunteering goes on in, for example, the NHS. The answer is a huge amount. Um, but for charities, community groups, everything. So some volunteering is very informal. It is the definition, there is no legal definition, but generally we would say it's for it's helping out that's not your immediate family, okay? Uh, so even, and if we think about back in the pandemic when neighbours were helping neighbours, that's a form of volunteerism. Uh, and it's a very broad church. Uh, but the bit that people come here for is to find out they want to, or they want to volunteer for a particular organisation or they're interested in doing a particular type of work uh, or working with a particular client group. And obviously we usually have about 600 odd opportunities available at any point. It varies, but that's the sort of norm. So what is your typical volunteer? Um, what do we look like? What's their background? There is no such thing. Now, it, you know, we do smart, not smart, we laugh sometimes uh, about the cliché that is perhaps a, a woman of a certain age and possibly a certain background who is often touted as the volunteer, the typical volunteer. Now, I'm just going to see. See, if we didn't have those women of a certain age and a certain background helping out, the society would be in a hell of a mess. But volunteers are everybody. 
volunteers are all ages. It's interesting, if you look at the sort of official stats that come out through research like the Scottish Household Survey, actually younger people are, are big volunteers, big groups of volunteers. Um, volunteering will often change as people's lives change. You know, so for example, um, younger people might get involved at school or university or whatever, and that's great. People may come into it in their 20s when they're looking at things like career changes, stuff like that. They may wane a little bit when they start families, if that's what they choose to do, uh, because of pressures or, or just pressures in career, job and life. Um, and then people will often come back to them when they've got a little bit more time. And then other people will do it their entire life. Um, we all, it's kind of that old cliche, you know, if you can get them when they're at school, into the concept of volunteering and to understand the benefits of volunteering, then they'll probably stick with it for life. And often we say, you know, the volunteer maybe gains more than... What are some of the benefits of volunteering for, for an individual? Or, I mean, we may move on to the society benefits in a moment, but for that individual, what, what are the benefits? I always say, when I sit down with people and they ask me, you know, what... Why would you volunteer? Um, I think it, it's multifaceted, to be honest with you, and it really depends on the individual. In general, I always say to people, don't do this volunteering thing if you're not enjoying it. Right? If you're not enjoying it, then it's the wrong volunteering opportunity, probably. So, you know, look for a different type of volunteering opportunity. It should be something you want to do. You're giving your time, your energy, your skills, so you should want to do that. It should be your motivation. People come here to volunteer Edinburgh for 101 reasons to volunteer. Uh, obviously, there are 101 reasons to volunteer, and then there is altruism. Very typically, we see people coming, and we do a lot of work with people through about around employability. So, uh, it, you know, perhaps people have been out of the labour market for a long time, or they haven't entered the labour market, and they're looking to gain the ex gain experience. It's not just experience doing the job. But one of the typical things we'll often see, we're seeing it at the moment, with many people who've come to Edinburgh from Ukraine, uh, is you move to a different country and the employment culture is completely different. How you get a job is different. Uh, and so people will often use volunteering as a step. Whenever we've seen big waves of migration into the city, thinking back you know, to the sort of mid-2000s, we were doing uh, sessions in Polish language, uh, well, a bit earlier than that, I beg your pardon. A little bit later, we were doing them in Spanish language, and now we're doing them in Ukrainian language. People come into the city as migrants, as new people, as new arrivals, and very typically, we're, we're one of the first places they'll come to, to find out how can I integrate in the city I'm trying to make my home. The biggest area of work, that, well, not the biggest area, but the area of work we've been doing the longest, and I think probably surprises people, is back in the 80s, we started a programme which then was called Volunteering for Therapy, or Therapeutic Volunteering. That's not language we would use now, it's very dated. <laughs> uh, we tend to talk about health and well-being. And that's people who come, who perhaps have experienced mental ill health, or uh, any barrier. It can be a learning disability, it can be an offending history. Uh, any barrier at all, we'll give them specialist support to find the right volunteering for them. I think, you know, those relationships we have with those individuals sometimes last, I mean, a long time. Because people will come, they'll get our support, they'll find the right opportunity, their lives will change and they'll come back to us. And they might need a different type of support at that point. But it all goes down to that. It, there's a real, as a society, we always say, 
you know, you've got to you've got to have a career, you've got to make money. And that, you know, we need people to make money. We all need to make money. Of course we do. But if you're in a situation where that's not going to be feasible for you, perhaps because you've got such enduring mental ill health, then why should you be excluded from making a meaningful contribution? And that's a really important thing. I mean, I could regale you with tales of individuals and the impact that has on their lives. Uh, so that's another facet of volunteering that people perhaps aren't aware of, that people get involved to actually improve their own well-being, their own connectivity. And obviously there's a benefit for society as well by volunteering. There's an economic benefit, there's a, a, a social benefit. Can you quantify that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, well, it's an interesting thing, Jeremy, because sometimes, you know, I have to be... I have to be mindful about what I say as Chief Officer of the Volunteer Centre and also, you know, keep my trustees happy and uh, not say anything to... Obviously, the trustees don't pay for me to have a political opinion. But there's a little part of me want, wants to actually... I'd love to just be able to go stop and stop all the volunteering mm. for a day. Mm. And then for people to actually understand the impact it's having, that has, you know? Mm. And... You know, volunteers can't go and strike, obviously, that's ridiculous. But you get my point. I, I think in society, we don't fully appreciate the volume of volunteering that goes on in our city and in this country. Edinburgh, by the way, has one of the highest rates of volunteering of any urban environment in Scotland, um, according to the Scottish Household Survey, which, you know, I'm quite pleased about. I can't claim credit for. <laughs> but um, I think Edinburgh is actually a city of volunteers. We, we saw that. If we even go back to the Ready Scotland appeal at the very start of COVID, um, when I was sitting in my living room watching a dashboard go up as the campaign uh, and panicking, I'll be quite honest with you, panicking, uh, about how I was going to manage that, Scotland came out with more people stepping forward than any other part of the country. You've always got to recognise that urban environments are very different to Mm. rural environments. So, you know, a good friend of mine who used to be run the volunteer centre in the Western Isles would often laugh at me with what I've just said. You should go, behave yourself, Paul. You know what I mean? If you want to see rates of volunteering, come to Western mm-hmm. Isles. There is always that difference, but in an urban setting, when mm-hmm. it's very high. You mentioned COVID. I mean, we've moved on. Yeah. But it's not going away. There's a legacy there. Is there a legacy for volunteering? I think there probably is. Uh, and it's actually quite hard to quantify at the moment what that impact is. Is it COVID? Is it the cost of living crisis? Um, there are certain areas in the country and there are certain volunteer roles that are really difficult to recruit for at the moment. And that's worrying. So why are people volunteering as much? And there's a lot of people nationally, you know, organisations like myself, my own, the Third Sector Interface Network, uh, of which we're part of, and Volunteer Scotland are scratching their heads going, What's going on there, you know? Some organisations are really struggling, but I think we also see that in paid employment, recruitment. Mm. It's a a very difficult marketplace if you're recruiting at the moment. I don't know what it is and how, where we'll go. I I don't always buy into it's a cost of living crisis, I'll be honest with you. Uh, We did some research and we are actually offering, here at Volunteer Edinburgh, we have more opportunities now than we did pre-pandemic. Website traffic is higher considerably higher than it was pre-pandemic but the people who are clicking through to have interest in an opportunity is lower and on a decline so is that them not wanting to volunteer why are you on our website i don't know it doesn't make sense to me 
uh, why would you be, you know, if you're worried about cost of living, why would you be visiting our website in the first place? So I think that argument isn't the whole picture. Is it about the opportunities that are available? Are people worried about making bigger commitments to things? And I wonder if there's something there. Um, changing work patterns, you know, increased flexibility, working from home. Uh, I think all of that's playing into it. My instinct is it will right itself. I think it will in time. But it's a worry at the moment why fewer people are volunteering. One of our very successful projects, I think you're aware of, Jeremy, is what we call Community Task Force Volunteering. Now, that was started as a result of that pandemic. That dashboard I was talking about, with mm. these five and a half thousand people wanting to volunteer in Edinburgh when there was no opportunities in March of 2020. Um, and we, we reacted to that. We created a, a, a way of actually engaging those individuals in a safe, onboarding them completely remotely. We'd never done that sort of thing before. And we started to deploy them across the city to help out, both help out individuals and help out with things like vaccine clinics, etc. when they came along. And that was something we'd always aspired to do, actually. We'd always thought, wouldn't it be really cool to be able to allow people to volunteer in that very flexible way? So the way that program works is you on board, you, you get, we train you, we sign you up, you're, you're good to go, and then you can choose when you want to volunteer. The tasks come out to you, and you can say, oh, I'm not doing it, busy today, or I'm not busy today, or I'll do that, or I'll do that. And I think that's one example of flexibility, which I would like to see the volunteer involvement organizations embracing that thinking more and more as we go forward because i think we need to people want additional flexibility and then i like to say as soon as i've said my little speech about that if you're running the lunch club between 12 and 2 on a tuesday afternoon that's when you need your volunteers mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. it's about that balance yeah so if i do want to volunteer through volunteering how, how do i get in touch easy so you can come to one of you know you come here to leith walk at 222 leith walk you kind of miss the building at any point uh, we're open sort of usual office hours uh, you can pop in most people do it via our website and uh, there's kind of a split people who will come in through the door maybe want to talk to us a little bit more in depth or a bit more unsure they may access health and well-being or employability support uh, people who often, the vast majority of our customers, to be honest with you, will go onto our website, volunteerinbound.org.uk, they'll do a search on the opportunities or the type of work or the client group they want to work with and they'll connect through to the organisation. So we're just the middleman. We also um, got some funding through the Share Prosperity Fund earlier last year. Um, and that's enabled us to have workers out in each of the localities in the city. Something we used to do years ago, funding cycles changed, things got in and out of fashion. We weren't able to have those what we call local offices. Uh, now we have workers embedded in partner organisations, really targeting people for whom volunteering isn't on their radar. And that could be because of health inequalities or, um, you know, or poverty or whatever. But actually, people who might just think that's not for me, I don't do volunteering because that's what middle class people do. You know, that's something we genuinely hear a lot. Mm. Um, and it's so that's great. That's really working in the community. What bit about you, Paul? How did you end up in volunteer Edinburgh? Hey, I can assure you that nobody and this nobody gets up and thinks I'm going to work in a volunteer centre <laughs> or a third centre interface, whatever we've been called that time. Doesn't happen. All right? Uh, and I look at my colleagues and we all come from very different places, very different backgrounds. I, I personally, I worked for years in the, in the 
corporate sector uh, in marketing and pensions, which is really dull. I started life as an electrician. There you go. Uh, we've ex-teachers, ex-nurses, ex-occupational therapists, ex-marketing people. Um, everybody comes here. I had a conversation a long time ago with uh, my predecessor about why we had such a diverse staff team and why we all ended up here. Um, because we've got people coming from different, you know, countries, backgrounds, uh, you know, occupations, uh, people of faith, of no faith, um, whatever. People of every single political persuasion you can think of in our country work here. The one thing, the only thing we can nail it down to, and it's a slightly old-fashioned word, so I don't tend to use it in my, my sales pitch, is each of us, for whatever reason, kind of grew up with a belief that service to others is a good thing in its own self. I know that's super unfashionable language. Uh, it's a bit American. But um, that's, that's kind of the common denominator. This very, very group of people, all who really believe that actually helping somebody else is a really good thing to do. And if we can help other people help other people, worst ways to make a living. I'll try and really go on, so let me finish with a question I always like to finish with. I'm going to give you my magic wand, which you can wave. Thank you. What's going to make life maybe better for you, but maybe more important for the volunteers and the organisations that you're working with? The number one thing, if, you, if I can wave your magic wand, is I would really like um, society to value these people, to value volunteering. And I mean society, I'm not just talking about you know people down the road. I do want them to value the volunteers but also our, um, you know, the government, uh, our local authority, they do, they do, they talk the language. But actually, uh, to truly understand how powerful this force is in, in Scotland, how good it is for society, that it actually, you know, it builds communities. You know, it makes connections, it makes people's lives better. And um, it, it enhances so much so I'd like people to value volunteers. Part of that value, and you know I'm going to say this, is actually money. Because mm -hmm. volunteering isn't free. Volunteers need to be properly managed, properly deployed. And that takes experienced, skilled people to do that. I always say that volunteer managers, I mean, it is a real skill. A real skill. And the good ones, my God, they're brilliant. Um, but it's not something we invest in. And we ought to, because it's, volunteering is, is not going away. What a great way to end. Volunteering is not going away. Thank you for your time. Thank you. It was great to hear from Paul, to see the importance of volunteering within our city and how we can all get involved in it. We'll put a link to their website on the show notes and you can go to it if you want to find out more. Thank you for listening to Out and About in Malovians and I look forward to catching you next time.